Welcome to The God Solution, a place where we discuss solid evidence for the Christian faith and interviews with leading Christian apologists. Each week, you'll be encouraged in your faith and equipped to defend it and share it in your daily life. You can find out more about The God Solution at GodSolutionShow.com. Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers to humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm excited to be back with you again today. Well, today we're going to talk about something that I've never talked about before, and that is theistic evolution. So we've definitely talked about evolution on the show before, and I've talked about the best facts and tall tales acronyms. The TALES in the tall tales acronym is a series of arguments against evolution. I'll recap that today, but I've never gone a step further and talked about theistic evolution. So today I wanted to talk about uh, five reasons to reject theistic evolution. That's five reasons to reject theistic evolution. And I think it's important as Christians to kind of get a handle on this, and we're going to jump into that today and why it's important to reject theistic evolution, not just naturalistic evolution, not just atheistic evolution, but actually, I think it's important that we reject theistic evolution as well. So before we jump into it, I kind of want to explain what I'm talking about. Let's define some terms. First of all, evolution just means change, but the big debate is really over macroevolution and microevolution. Microevolution is a, a, a view of evolution that there are small changes. This is what would be explained through natural selection. We see this all the time. These would include things like moths changing from one color to another, or beak sizes changing in finch populations. Those are all small changes within a species, and all that they do is accentuate different characteristics that were already present, and uh, usually as a response to the environmental conditions. That's something that you can observe in nature, whether it's antibiotic-resistant bacteria or fish populations and lakes becoming resistant to different types of pollution, you name it, those are all different examples of natural selection and what we would call microevolution, small changes within the genetic possibilities that already exist within the species. Now that's very different than macroevolution. This is where you actually have major changes and new features and new organisms and new species. This is something that as Christians we don't believe in. I guess I should say that most Christians don't believe in. There are Christians, of course, that believe in those macro-evolutionary changes. I think they're wrong, and today I'm going to explain why I think they're wrong. So what we're talking about when we talk about evolution is those macro-changes, the speciation and evolution into new types of organisms not the micro-changes or the natural selection type of changes. We'll explain more today as we get into it. I also want to differentiate between evolution and old earth creationism. Now, a lot of people see the two as synonymous, and they think that as soon as you reference an old earth, that means you're uh, affirming evolution. That's not the case. Just to, to be transparent, I always say I'm an earth creationist. I don't want to come down hard on old or young perspectives. I think we need to have humility about that. And I actually think that there is ambiguity on that topic in Scripture. And I think that's fine. There are a lot of gray areas in Scripture that draw us into God's Word, that give us a heart to really study and learn. 
I think that we can be very confident, however, in the fact that God divinely created this universe exactly the way he intended for his purposes. I do want to distinguish here between evolution and old earth creationism. Old earth creationism, guys like Hugh Ross, are not evolutionists. They are simply creationists that believe that God created over periods of time, not that things evolved over periods of time. So what is evolution? It's, it's change over time, and we're talking here about big changes into new organisms. What is it not? It's not necessarily old earth creationism. In fact, it's not at all old earth creationism. And what I want to mention, too, is does salvation depend on this? I don't think it does. Salvation in Scripture is something that we receive as a gift from God through believing in Jesus. It's really that simple. And there are theistic evolutionists that have believed in Jesus for their salvation. Dr. Francis Collins, who led the Human Genome Project and who is currently uh, the head of the National Institutes of Health, is an example of that. He's very clear that he recognized that he was a sinner that needed a savior. In fact, the realization of his sin, the moral argument for God's existence, was the driving factor in his salvation and in his acceptance of God's free gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone. So according to scripture, he's saved. There's no doubt about it. He has believed in Jesus Christ as his savior and Lord, and that is what scripture says we must do for salvation. So does salvation depend on someone's perspective on this issue? Absolutely not. However, there is a lot at stake here, and I'm going to break that down today as we talk about it. I think that this is an important topic, and I think that theistic evolution is wrong. I think it's wrong for a few different reasons. First, I think it's wrong because it's bad science. Second, I think it's wrong because it's bad theology. Third, I think it's wrong because it's a stretched harmonization. You basically get the worst of both worlds. Fourth, I think it's wrong because it's focused on the praise of men. I don't think anybody gets to theistic evolution from Scripture. I think they get there trying to accommodate society, and that's not good. Finally, fifth, I think that evolution is the foundation of the atheistic paradigm that has caused unparalleled damage in our world. And I believe that theistic evolution is accommodating of that. And that's not a good thing. So those are some reasons that I think we need to reject theistic evolution. And I'm going to unpack those a little bit here in a minute. Let's start with uh, the first one. Theistic evolution is bad science. First of all, I want to talk about science. My degree in college was in chemistry. And science is a great way of looking at the world around us and studying the world around us and learning about the world around us. It is not the key to all knowledge or all truth, as some might believe. That's scientism, and that's a philosophical belief that is scientifically unjustifiable. There's no scientific experiment that we could ever run to prove that science tells us truth or to prove that science tells us all truth or to prove that there's no other way to know truth. In fact, there's not a scientist alive that is honest and a person of integrity that would claim that science is the only way to know any truth. Anyway... There is a distinguishing factor here between uh, science and philosophy that I think is important to mention. First of all, science is what philosophers might call methodological naturalism. You use natural explanations for natural phenomena. As Christians, we have no problem with that. 
We believe in a God that sovereignly created a natural universe that obeys the natural laws that, that he ordained. And there is no reason in the world that we can't explain what happens in terms of those laws. That's fine. What is not fine is what philosophers might call metaphysical naturalism. This is the concept that there are only natural phenomena and natural causes. Of course, like I said before, there's no way one could ever prove that, especially from a scientific perspective. But metaphysical naturalism, which is a blind leap of faith, it's not something based in science, that has absolutely saturated every facet of our modern society. And now it is commonly assumed that God does not exist, and that if you're going to be a thinking person, you must assume that. Uh, we hear all the time of professors that tell their students, let's get this straight. In this class, you have to give up your belief in God right from the start. That's nonsense. In fact, there are very good arguments for God's existence, and not good rebuttals of those arguments. Go to godsolutionshow.com to get plenty of shows on those topics from the past here on this show. But anyway, if one assumes metaphysical naturalism, if one assumes, and there's no evidence for this, that there is no God and there is nothing more than atoms and molecules, then evolution is the only game in town. Evolution isn't common and widespread and popular because of the science. It's common and widespread and popular because of the presupposition of metaphysical naturalism. Because people have decided in their heart that there is no God, there must be a way to explain things without God. It's not a fact. It is an assumption that guides almost everything else in academia. And that's sad. I think it is bad science. First of all, the transitionary evidence is lacking. We've talked about this before on the show, but it's lacking. And that is something that honest scientists will admit. Next, the mechanism of evolution is insufficient. Natural selection is a truth of science, and it does work on mutations in populations, but most mutations are not positive ones. And positive mutations that do happen are extremely rare, and they never increase the information of a genome. They never add new and novel information to a genome. They always take away from what was already there. And so the idea that there are positive mutations that add new novel information that are then preserved through natural selection does not happen. It's an absolute myth. It's an absolute fable. Even if it were to happen, though, we know that life can't arise from non-life. That is statistically unfathomably impossible. Even if that were to happen, the existence of information and design that is throughout the universe and throughout biological systems is not naturalistically explicable. And even if that were... Uh, the start of the universe surely is not naturalistically explicable. Those are five good reasons to reject the science of evolution. In other words, evolution is not science. It is a presupposition that is forced onto the science. David Berlinski is a philosopher, a mathematician, and a biochemist. He is a world-renowned intellectual. He is not a Christian, but he has publicly denied the possibility of naturalistic evolution because he's honest enough to expose the fraudulent claims of Darwinian evolution. I think there need to be more people like him, and there are. I'll quote a few today. There are people that realize that evolution is plain and simple, a bad science. Now, if evolution is a bad science, I don't think there's any good reason that a Christian should adopt a bad science into their theology just to earn brownie points with people that presuppose that bad science. 
I think if it's a bad science, we should reject it. And I put that number one on my list because when I talk to non-Christians, I don't want to say I don't believe evolution because the Bible says so, because they would just say, oh, that's circular reasoning. I tell them, hey, look, I'm a chemist, and I don't believe evolution because the science says it's not possible. And we'll debate on their terms why evolution is not possible. So the number one reason to reject theistic evolution is that evolution is a bad science. The number two reason to reject theistic evolution, and here's where I do go to the Bible, is it's bad theology. Scripture is pretty clear that God made all the different types of animals according to their kinds. That doesn't necessarily mean that everything that we define as a species today was created in Genesis 1 exactly uh, how we would see it in those accounts. There have been minor changes within species. I talked about microevolution. There are different examples of speciation happening today, especially at the bacterial level, but also at other levels. That does not mean that evolution is true. That just means that we have small changes within populations and within genomes, changes within stuff that's already there, not changes that lead to the creation of new organisms. Now, when Scripture talks about kinds, it's talking about animal types, like cats. And we know today that all the cats are, are, are related as cats. Dogs are related as dogs, things like that. So it's totally okay as a Christian to believe that God created one type of dog, and now we have many types of dogs. And God created one type of cat, and now we have many types of cats. But they're all cats, and they're all dogs. We're not getting new creatures from previous creatures, okay? God created things according to their kind. That's important to believe as Christians. That's clear in Scripture. And also, God created man in his own image, the Bible is very clear that God created Adam and Eve in his image. And I think that evolution really misses that, even theistic evolution. Evolution presupposes that man and other creatures co-evolve in, in entire populations. So for humans, they would say 10 to 100,000 organisms co-evolved together. Now, that's something that uh, is a stretch. If we want to believe in a literal Adam and Eve, it's hard to swallow this co-evolution of 10 to 100,000 members of a species or members of a population all simultaneously. That's not what we see when we read in Scripture about Adam and Eve. Now, I just want to tell you where the science is on this, too. Scientifically, we know that every man alive on this planet derives from one man. And every human alive on this planet comes from one woman. <laughs> we know that the genetic evidence is that there was one single woman that is the mother of all humanity and one single father that is the father of all men. We know that from the Y chromosomes in men and the mitochondrial DNA in all people. Scientists would call that one mother mitochondrial Eve and that one father Y chromosomal Adam. And we know that we all come from one man and one woman. That is scientifically proven. Now, the theistic evolutionist has to say, well, maybe 100,000 people co-evolved together. Adam was just fictitious, just a symbolic name, and Eve was too. And somehow, the genetic data tell us that there was a bottleneck event that killed off all the offspring of all 100,000 minus two, and somehow only the offspring of those two survived. 
I think that's kind of a stretch. We could just believe that scientifically there's evidence that we all came from one man and one woman, and that's the end of the story, just like the Bible says it is. Anyway, I think that, that, that theistic evolution is bad theology. It misses the evidence of Scripture that God created the different kinds individually and specifically. It misses the reality of Scripture that God made man in his image, not just an ape that became a man. And it misses the reality of the scientific data today that we all come from one man and one woman. I have to make a quick note here, and that's that scientists would try to say, well, Mitochondrial Eve and Y-chromosomal Adam didn't necessarily meet because if we look at mutational clocks, they were probably separated from each other by some period of time. Well, we also as Christians believe in a bottleneck event called the flood, <laughs> where the, the offspring of one man and his wife survived, Noah and his wife, and the others didn't. And so I think it's very, very plausible to believe that mitochondrial Eve was actually Eve, <laughs> Adam's Eve, and that Y-chromosomal Adam was actually Noah, maybe not Adam, but Noah. And as Christians, it's very, very plausible to believe this. We see it right in Scripture. We expect that genetically in Scripture, and that's exactly what we see in the population today. So I think theologically that evolution is wrong. It misses key things. And when we start to make those theological assumptions about evolution, it really starts to poison the rest of our doctrine. Because the second we start to get off track on who man is, it's not long before we get off track on who God is. So I think that theistic evolution is bad science. I also think that theistic evolution is bad theology. I also think, number three, that theistic evolution is a stretched harmonization. And this is a big problem. It's a stretched harmonization. Now, before I unpack that, I just want to let you know, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution, you can find out more about The God Solution. Get all of our past shows at godsolutionshow.com. We're talking about five reasons to reject theistic evolution. So far, we've talked about the fact that evolution is a bad science and that it's bad theology. And we're just now getting into the third of the five reasons to reject theistic evolution, and that's that theistic evolution is a stretched harmonization. Here is why. First of all, I think that theistic evolution is ignorant of the science. I just explained some of the science and why I think it's wrong, but a lot of the people that suppose theistic evolution today are ignorant of the science. One example is Dinesh D'Souza, who in every other area of his writing is pretty on track, but in this one he's off base. And what's so great about Christianity, he admits that he is a theistic evolutionist, and he claims things like peppered moths and finch beaks in support of evolution. I previously mentioned how those are evidences of natural selection and microevolution, if you want to use that term. They're not in any way, shape, or form evidence of macroevolution, of new features and new organisms. And when people use examples like that, they are really betraying an ignorance of the science. Millard Erickson is not a theistic evolutionist. He is a popular theologian, and his systematic theology is probably the most popular systematic theology you'll find. It was required reading in seminary at Liberty University, and he actually makes a statement that is kind of startling concerning the doctrine of creation. He says, quote, the two most viable options are theistic evolution and progressive creationism. I just about 
fell out of my seat when I first read that on page 506 of his Systematic Theology. It was shocking. That's not true. And the reason he gives is four pages earlier, he says nothing from biology, anthropology, or paleontology contradicts naturalistic evolution. Well, that betrays an absolute ignorance of science. Biologically, we know evolution can't happen. One example is the problem of homochirality in life. I'll spare you the details, but the chances of just getting the simplest building blocks to align correctly, assuming they were all present in the first place, is 1 in 10 to the 33,113th power. This is many orders of magnitude greater than statistical impossibility or the universal probability bound. Biologically, that's not going to happen. So he's wrong that nothing in biology contradicts naturalistic evolution. He's also wrong that nothing in anthropology contradicts naturalistic evolution. We know from anthropology that everything in the past is either fully human, fully ape, or fully something different. There are no true transitionary species. He's also wrong that nothing in paleontology contradicts naturalistic evolution. Stephen Jay Gould, who was an evolutionist, admitted in the peer-reviewed journal Natural History that all paleontologists know that the fossil record contains precious little in the way of immediate forms. Transitions between major groups are characteristically abrupt. He went on to call that lack of transitionary evidence the trade secret of paleontology. So he was willing to admit that there is evidence in paleontology that contradicts evolution. He went on in a different peer-reviewed journal, Paleobiology, to say that the theory of evolution by gradual mutation is effectively dead despite its persistence as textbook orthodoxy. He didn't say that as proof for creationism. He said it as proof for his flavor of evolution, punctuated equilibrium, which he believed happened so fast that no evidence was preserved, which is kind of coincidental. I believe it because there's no evidence for it. Sounds crazy. But just to let you know, there is tremendous evidence against evolution, so it's wrong for Erickson to say that there's not, and that betrays an ignorance about the science. Now, I don't want to crush him here, though. He does go on to emphasize a page later that progressive creation is a better option than theistic evolution. So I think he comes full circle to progressive creation, in other words, old earth creationism, which is a whole lot better than evolution, no matter how you cut it. But the reality is that it is wrong for him to say that there's nothing in science that contradicts naturalistic evolution. When we embrace theistic evolution, it is a stretched harmonization. It is taking something that doesn't exist in the Bible and trying to fit it to something that doesn't exist in science and coming out with a harmonization that really gets you the worst of both worlds. Okay, the fourth reason to reject theistic evolution is that theistic evolution is focused on the praise of men. I've previously said how this doesn't come from scripture and how it doesn't come from science. I think the only reason to embrace theistic evolution is to try and make people that believe in evolution happy or to try and get non-Christians that presuppose evolution to swallow Christianity with this kind of coding of evolution. In other words, living for the praise of men is the motivating factor of theistic evolution, and I think that's wrong. We can't patronize the evolutionary paradigm. It doesn't work. John 12, 42 through 43 warns us of the danger of living for the praise of men instead of living for the praise of God. I think Christians need to say, God, I believe your word, 
not society, no matter what. And I am going to believe your word when it comes to the issue of creation. Okay, the final reason that I reject theistic evolution is that evolution is the foundation for the atheistic paradigm that I just mentioned. This is the paradigm that runs our world, and it is disastrous. All the different atheistic leaders that have murdered millions, you look at people like Mao and Stalin, those people all presupposed an evolutionary paradigm. And what they did, the murder of millions, was simply the carrying out of that atheistic paradigm and its presupposition of evolution. Now, of course, that doesn't make evolution wrong, but it does tell us that there are major consequences to the evolutionary thinking. And I think there are other reasons that we can know it's wrong. Evolution has also become the presupposition of academia. I talked a little bit before about metaphysical naturalism, but that has saturated all of academia. The sciences presuppose God's non-existence, and that's crazy, and it leads to bad science. It leads to things like multiverse theory that you can't even test, and that are absolute absurdity, and that defy logic and reason. But at the same time, people might buy that if they have to, to support their evolutionary presuppositions. It leads to, to evolutionary psychology and many different problems with that. It leads to an evolutionary interpretation of history that really clouds a lot of history, and it makes us interpret the past wrongly. It leads to an incorrect view of theology. People even interpret theology through the lens of evolution. They try to come up with an evolutionary scheme for how monotheism evolved, quote-unquote, in Israel, or even the authorship of the Bible, things like the documentary hypothesis, there's no evidence for it, but it is necessary because of an evolutionary perspective on the text that's forced on the text. So evolution is the foundation of the atheistic paradigm, and it is saturating society, it is saturating academia, it is saturating our ethical approaches to life, leading to things like abortion and euthanasia, because we don't regard human beings as valuable because they are created in God's image. They're nothing but atoms and molecules, so do what you want with them. And it is leading to many, many, many damaging perspectives and uh, decisions in society. Maybe worst of all, not maybe, guaranteed worst of all, it's leading to a societal presupposition of God's non-existence, something that is not supportable scientifically or logically, but it's something that many people assume because they were taught this from high school and college and in many other areas. So I think theistic evolution is wrong for many different reasons. First, it's bad science. Second, it's bad theology. Third, it's a stretch harmonization that gives you the worst of both worlds. Fourth, it's focused on the praise of men. And fifth, it is the foundation for the atheistic paradigm that is causing unparalleled damage in our society. Evolution doesn't disprove God. I gotta make that clear here. Even if you could prove evolution, you would not disprove God, right? Because evolution just tells us how stuff changed, not how it got here in the first place. Dinesh D'Souza, even though he is a theistic evolution, and I do disagree with him on that point, he says that he believes that evolution is a bigger miracle than just creation. 
although I think he's wrong on theistic evolution, I do got to agree that if evolution were the case, it would be a bigger miracle. And uh, how could you create something that keeps adding and changing and making things better, right? I do believe that he's wrong, but what I'm saying is evolution doesn't get the atheist out of God. And even if you could prove evolution, you wouldn't disprove God. So as I, as I talk, I just want to leave you with a couple things. One, evolution doesn't disprove God. Evolution is a bad science. And three, evolution is a horrible theology. Theistic evolution doesn't give us anything that we were missing in the first place. I believe we can be confident creationists and that we can trust God's word alone. If you've never come to that point of believing in Jesus as God's word tells you to, I encourage you right now to come to him and to say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again to give me new life. Please be my Savior and Lord. Uh, I encourage you to keep growing in your faith and sharing the evidence for your faith with those that you come in contact with. Keep listening to the show and telling others about the show and how they can learn some of the evidence for their faith. Go to GodSolutionShow.com while you're at it and let us know what you think about this show and how it's blessing you, maybe topics you'd like us to talk about. As I wrap up this show, I just got to reiterate the point of the show, and I got to encourage you with this. When you, when you hear Christians endorsing theistic evolution, I want to warn you, we're giving up a whole lot when we go down that road, and we don't get anything in return. We're pulling out the rug from under our own feet. I think both science and the Bible refute evolution. So let's be confident creationists and trust that God's word really is true. Like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening to The God Solution. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to The God Solution. We hope that you were encouraged by what you heard today and are better equipped to share Christ this week. You can get the audio from today's broadcast and all the past God Solution shows at GodSolutionShow.com. Thanks for listening and being a part of The God Solution.